Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is the 21st in our 3,726 part series wherein we randomly choose a movie from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, tell you what we think, and any interesting tidbits and facts and trivia that we can find. We have to watch the movie that we choose. There's no vetoes. There's a couple of exceptions. We'll bring those up if we run into them. But for the most part, as long as it is a movie that we have not already seen, we are... We are honor-bound. Honor-bound, uh, for better or for worse. And speaking of for worse, last week we watched Down With Love. Yeah, uh, a movie that should have been pretty good based on... The, you know, a lot of the ingredients it had going for it. Yeah, but, it had a really um, good cast. There were a lot of things working in its favor. Yeah, it had a lot going for it. It just fell flat yeah. for us. Yeah, I mean, it's an homage to a, a genre of movie that we were not super familiar with. Your mileage may vary, but it, it had issues. So this week it is Tara's turn to select a movie. I'm going to pick something good. Just going to pick something good, you guys. Famous last words. <laughs> yeah. So I will begin flipping through the tome. Stop. You got one. Okay. You have selected The Last Temptation of Christ by Martin Scorsese. Huh. And it's got David Bowie in it, so yes. that's uh, a oh, plus. Oh yeah, he, he plays... Uh... Does he play Judas? Mm-hmm. I forget. I told you I was going to pick something you, good. You, you, Even if it's shitty, it's got David Bowie in it's it. It's true. That gives it a, a huge, huge advantage over advantage. most other movies in this book. So, according to the guide, Scorsese's most personal and controversial film examines the power of faith. Scorsese and screenwriter Paul Schrader bring Nikos Kentzaki's novel to life to examine the conflicts between Jesus the man and Christ the God, and the idea that Christ was both God and man. In many ways, it is also Scorsese's own spiritual journey. He works out his own spiritual conflicts through this very human Christ, played by Willem Dafoe, and passionate, sympathetic Judas, played by Harvey Keitel. The film brings the Christian myth to earth with full-blooded characters who speak an American street vernacular in an attempt to give the ancient story a connection to contemporary audiences, and gives Christ's ultimate sacrifice a mortal, primal dimension. Shot in the empty, open Moroccan desert, Scorsese's visuals are at their most subdued, given a simple beauty by Michael Ballhouse's cinematography, while Peter Gabriel's percussive score drives the drama with an insistent beat. And Barbara Hershey co-stars as Mary Magdalene. All right. Yeah, excellent. It's, so looking forward to seeing this, and hopefully it doesn't let us down. Seems promising. We thought that before, but this legitimately seems promising. Uh, I think we thought last week's episode seemed promising, too. But, we did. But this, I think, I feel more confident about. The promise and the hope. Yes. And the dream. The hope in our hearts. Yeah. Uh, so we will be back with our thoughts uh, after this musical interlude. Temptation of Christ. And Andrew sounds so excited. 
I'm scared reading all of these uh, negative reviews about what's going to happen to me now that we've watched the movie. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, that we were condemning ourselves to eternal damnation just by watching a movie. But uh, to hear some of the more vocal critics talk about it, that is what we've done. So I guess, viewer, be warned. Well, uh, we weren't necessarily warned, but in any case, these are the kinds of risks we're willing to take for the sake of a not very much listened to podcast. <laughs> We are putting our souls on the line here, people. Yeah. For you. For you. We do it for you. Yeah. And uh, Much like Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We're gonna... <laughs> Let's just uh, do our rating, and then we'll kind of discuss how we're going to talk about this. So yeah. um, I'll go over our five-point scale here. Uh, so at the bottom of the scale, we have Don't Watch. And there's Maybe Don't Watch. Eh. Maybe Watch. And then don't not watch at the top of the scale. So do you have a rating in mind? Yes. Do you? Yes, I do. On the count of three. One, two, three. Don't not watch. watch. Ooh. I almost went to a don't not watch. It is a... It's a really... It's a movie that you're gonna have... Like in your head. I struggled mentally, like, with what I was going to rate it, and I think part of it is just because I don't know that I have the words to really describe how I feel about it, and Mm -hmm. so maybe that is, in a way, an argument for having gone to the Don't Not Watch. It was a long movie, but I did not feel my attention waver. Yeah, no, it's it's a very captivating movie, and I guess, yeah, so we should maybe just talk a little bit about our religious knowledge, or lack thereof. I am largely unreligious. I was baptized into the Lutheran faith, although I think I went to church once in my life to a Lutheran church, and I once went with a friend to a Catholic service, and I once went to a Church of England service, and I went to a Catholic wedding, and that sums up the entirety of my church-going experience. Mm -hmm. I've read bits of the Bible, never read it all the way. Even though I was gifted a Precious Moments Bible at one point in my life. Well, and Chick Tracks count, right? And Chick Tracks, yeah. So that's, kind of, <laughs> that's about that, where I'm coming from. That, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, would you describe yourself as like atheist, agnostic? How do you, where, where do you fall? If I had to label myself, I'd say agnostic. That's kind of the line that I'm coming down on too. Like, I'm borderline atheist, but right. mostly agnostic just because I would like for this not to just be it. But uh, I guess my religious experience is pretty similar to yours. Like, I'm technically Jewish. I never really participated in any any aspect of that. Just Jewish by birth, basically. Um, I went to church a few times with friends when I was little, but didn't really stick. I took a college course on the Bible as literature early on in my undergrad career. And it was, it was interesting, but, you know, it, it was trying to cram both the Old and New Testament, the majority of both the Old and New Testament, into a 10-week period. And uh, so that maybe was not the best way to try to read the Bible, especially because getting into the New Testament, which really is obviously the most applicable part of the Bible for reference to the last temptation of Christ, uh, that was in, obviously in the later half of the quarter when I was entirely burnt out and just barely gleaning anything from the uh, books that I was reading in the Bible. So my my knowledge uh, is shaky at best. I will relate a kind of funny 
story from my childhood. Um, when I was in elementary school, back in Minnesota, one of the girls I went to school with, pretty religious. Like, she told me things like, when it rained, that was... Um, God's tears. No, no, that it was his blood oh. from fighting Satan. <laughs> huh. Yeah, um, and and she wanted me to be a born again Christian, and so I was just like, okay, you're my friend. Like, I don't really believe this, but I, I just kind of went along with it. And she like did this little quote unquote ceremony thing uh, during recess one day and gave me this like pamphlet, and I was kind of so ashamed by the pamphlet, I hid it deep, deep down in my closet so my parents wouldn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> because I thought it was the most awful thing that... You're, you're probably not too far <laughs> off the base there. But I remember, like, we were moving out here from Minnesota and just trying to surreptitiously... I, I'm sure I did. Like, just throw it away finally, and I kind of felt awkward about it, but I right, was like... Right, right. I don't want this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, so we'll get into discussing the movie here in a second, but I think yeah. I just want to wrap it up by talking about how one time when I was little, I, I think I was in a park with my mom and I found like a discarded kid's Christian leaflet or something and it talked about how you could live forever if you walk on God's path. And I'm like, oh, cool, God's path. But which where, Where's God's path? Where do I got to walk to get to that? And I, I showed it to my mom. My mom was just like, yeah, whatever, no, that's garbage. So I'm just going to out my mom as uh, a heathen here. Sorry. Sorry, mom. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's the upbringing that we both had with regards to religion. And uh, so now you kind of know where we're coming from with our thoughts that we're about to get into. So um, yeah, the plot of the movie, I think we can probably pretty safely gloss over quite a bit of it if you are not familiar with jesus uh we're probably not the best resource to tap into to find out about his story yeah i think a lot of people are kind of familiar with the gist a lot of the movie is detailing kind of the, the later part of jesus's life as he's kind of getting his act together and, and starting to gather people around him and then leading up to his eventual crucifixion and so i think maybe just rather than talking about plot elements we can kind of talk about how this movie treated him or depicted him because it's different from traditional depictions of jesus hence the blasphemy and if you see this you're damned right criticisms yeah um so uh, first of all it's uh willem dafoe playing jesus which is awesome uh, i think he does uh, yeah. a fantastic job uh, pretty, I mean, just about anything he does, he does a fantastic job, but like he does a really, really excellent job here. And he is portrayed as a fallible human who is struggling with these divine messages that he's getting and doesn't really know what to do with this and how to how to handle it. And Yeah, he's he's kind of angry about these messages, like, why me? Why do I have to do this? Um, he's also doubtful, like, am I, am I really the son of God? Am I really the Messiah? So he kind of really wrestles with the whole just idea of who he is and the message he's supposed to give, how he delivers that and, and which way to go. Right, right, through violence or through love. Right. M most of the movie really is kind of adhering to the typical Jesus plots. Um, 
as he struggles with, with these things. Part of why people really criticized the movie was just the idea that Jesus would have these doubts, you know, instead of just having this firm conviction of who he is and what he's out to do and not straying from that and just like gung-ho going for it. perfect in every way and just, yeah. It's a much more interesting interpretation um, in this movie than... It's a much more compelling argument. Relatable. Yeah. I would much rather listen to the story of this guy than like some perfect... Somebody who... Who, who does like, no wrong how, how, and is... Yeah. How do you relate to that? A, a lot of religious figures did not like that at all. And a lot of them were kind of misinterpreting the movie because it, from what it seemed like, really very few of them actually saw the movie or anything. They just were kind of hearing bits and pieces and then just making baseless assumptions. Like I saw that uh, one group claimed that Jesus was being portrayed as being homosexual in the movie and definitely not not what happens and in fact later on you do see him having sexual interest in women or talking about sexual interest in women and wrestling with that we should talk a little bit about judas i think yeah oh yeah Yeah, because yeah that's i think another that's another big point yeah problem that people had judas uh he betrayed judas or (laughs) (laughs) judas betrayed judas uh betrayed jesus they're both j names it's whatever Whatever, a j yeah (laughs) some j some j J. judas uh is typically portrayed as a person who betrayed jesus and and led to his crucifixion but in the last temptation of christ it it's not told in that same fashion judas is kind of coordinating with jesus the plan to be turned in because jesus recognizes based off of the signs that he's getting from God that it's his destiny to be crucified. So when the movie starts, Jesus was making these crosses for the Romans to crucify Jews in general. So it was kind of fitting that he would then be crucified, having aided in enabling crucifixion. But in any case, like, I didn't really take it necessarily 100% as collaborating, but more like Judas loved jesus that much and and believed in him that much that he was going to do it reluctantly like he he was yeah he i mean he didn't want to he didn't want to obviously like it was pretty clear that he was doing it under duress yeah yeah and it's yeah i mean collaborating is not the right way you're right to, to phrase that so it's more that jesus knew that this had to happen and he wanted to do it in the safest way for his followers that he could and that was i think how he felt yep it should be so, yeah, Jesus was out kind of by himself in this area, like, away from people. I think that he had a couple of his apostles around, but not, like, the full group of followers. And Judas shows up with the Romans, and Jesus is taken into custody, where he meets David Bowie. Pontius Pilate. And so Judas traditionally is portrayed as being a, a asshole, and this movie is a lot more nuanced than that. It makes him out to be, like, a, an okay guy. So so that, that was another big point of contention that Christians who felt strongly about the movie had against it. Although I don't know that it really detracts from anything. All the things that, that were being complained about, it seems like it's stuff that adds nuance to the story that you don't normally get. Well, and especially some of this stuff coming up. So Jesus meets David Bowie, and uh, he's sentenced to death by crucifixion. And then um, he's 
led to the crucifixion site. He's carrying his cross, and um, he's he's crucified. I can only start to imagine how physically uncomfortable shooting that was for Willem Dafoe. Oh my god! Yeah, we were looking at some of the production stills after the fact, and it looks more comfortable in the production stills because you can see the like the supporting stuff that he had. Well, it wasn't all there. It was like. It wasn't there all the time. I, I don't think it was like blue screened out or something. So just seeing that the performance that that Willem Dafoe gives, I thought it was extra impressive. And I'm sure that he was having to sit like that for long periods of time. Um, oh, yeah. So that's... And the other two dudes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the other people on the hill with him. Yeah. Um, probably not the best hard to be cast as an extra Ooh. for necessarily in morocco i'm sure it was hot as hell yeah yeah so yeah let's talk about the part that made christians real real unhappy real riled up so jesus is on the cross and he starts freaking out like really this is how you want this to go down this can't be and then a young girl shows up and says i'm your guardian angel God does not want you to suffer anymore. You did great. You're right. You're not the Messiah. You're just a man. So she takes him down and the crowd doesn't see. He just like moves through them invisibly with, with the guardian angel. And she takes him to this really lush environment. She tells Jesus, oh, you know, here's a wedding. It's your wedding. You're getting married to Mary Magdalene. They get married have sex then Mary Magdalene's pregnant but then one day while she's at home alone uh, she dies and the guardian angel shows up and says God took her but there's really only one woman they're all Mary Magdalene they're all you know it's just all one woman with different faces and so this woman here this Mary and this Martha they're also Mary Magdalene and whatever start a family with start them. a family with them and so he then has these two other wives and he makes this big family and and then he becomes an old man and he runs into paul preaching about jesus and jesus is like well what are you talking about like i didn't die on the cross uh, that's, like, here i am yeah i'm, I'm right here <laughs> and paul's like yeah uh my story is actually better than the truth about you you know coming down off the cross and living your life it's actually more inspirational this is what the people need it's what they need yeah so it doesn't really matter if you're still alive or not and that kind of haunts jesus yeah so then we move on and jesus is super old and dying and while he's on his deathbed his followers show up um from before uh, including judas and a couple of them are all are pretty excited like oh man he's still here he's alive and Judas is pissed off, like, this wasn't the plan, you were supposed to die on the cross. And Jesus is like, well, no, I mean, the, the guardian angel said that I, it was, that I should get off the cross, that it was fine, it's what God wanted me to do. And Judas is like, nah. that's not a guardian angel, that's Satan. And then the guardian angel girl turns into, like, a pillar of flame and is like, I told you I'd be seeing you again, because that's uh, one of the visions that had appeared to him when he was... On his journey. On his journey, yeah. Uh, so, Jesus is like, oh, okay, that I fucked up then, I guess. And realizes that he has to make amends for it by 
going out into the open where it's just chaos like the town is being jerusalem's being it's just totally aflame yeah and uh, so he goes out there and he's just like begging for forgiveness to be given another chance to fix what went wrong yeah and so we go back to him being on the crucifix and he's kind of at peace and he says it's been accomplished and his his job is done yeah he did it realizing that living a human life was not what was best not his yeah not his uh destiny and that's the end of the movie is him coming to that realization and then piecing out and then bells and peter gabriel music playing and in the end i liked it yeah i liked it a whole bunch yeah it um as we mentioned the acting was pretty phenomenal yeah harvey Keitel was a judas and he was pretty great yeah uh he was nominated for a razzie for his portrayal (laughs) which i think is really unfair and um i think part of it is because there are some points where his new york accent slips yeah yeah which i don't know i mean that's i I think that's more of a personal well and the the whole movie like like it's mentioned in the guy the whole movie is uh spoken in kind of the current vernacular at the time so it's like not it's kind of give them a pass on it a little well, bit and, and they don't try to force people to speak in, a, in an unnatural accent which right. i think only adds to the authenticity of their portrayals like they're not also trying to focus on speaking differently mm-hmm. to how they naturally would yeah I don't think he earned a he didn't yeah didn't, didn't earn a razzie or didn't deserve a razzie i think Willem Dafoe just fucking kills, kills it. it. There's scenes in the movie when he's still trying to get people on his side, trying to convert them, and like watching him try to preach to them. It's just like, oh, he does seem kind of crazy. Like, I can understand how that could be the case, that it wouldn't be cut and dry. There's a definite slightly unhinged aspect to his acting in those scenes that is really interesting. But also, I think, something that christians may not have been a big fan of right just going back to the whole language thing like that was yet another criticism made by christians that they used common vernacular and i think that's a big bullshit thing to be pissed about because sure you read the bible now and it doesn't sound at all contemporary but you know that whatever jesus was saying at the time he wouldn't be using some really formal way of speaking he would be just talking in a normal ordinary fashion to get through to people yeah and then then you get down into the whole the bible was the unquestionable word of god and this is exactly yeah 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 yeah, for sure yeah so it's that's just a rabbit hole that we should not go down probably but yeah i mean that i I agree so um I thought visually it was a really appealing movie, even even though there was a lot of really stark scenery and there was a lot of like browns and dusty landscapes and all that sort of thing. Well, yeah, it was shot. It was shot in Morocco, right? Well, yeah, to- the entire thing was shot in Morocco, but it it's still really rich and there's a lot of great detail, which is extra impressive. Having learned that originally Scorsese had proposed to make this for 14 million dollars as a budget and then it ended up being made for 7 million on top of it just having that constraint they also had some severe time constraints so shooting in morocco was difficult and i think it 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 looks like this was the first time scorsese had done a location shoot 
So that added extra complexity on top of having a hurried schedule. So a quote from Scorsese was that they worked in a state of emergency, essentially. And there was a lot of working out scenes on set with very little deliberation. And there was also some improvisation that happened. So knowing that, I think it's even more impressive just how great this turned out. Yeah, it was a real struggle to get the movie made. And for relatively little payoff it cost seven million dollars to make and it only made about uh just under 8.4 million back at the box office so i think only up to 8.8 when you look worldwide okay um yeah so not not a big profit there and a lot of that is due to all of the protests against it there there's actually bombing in some of the showings of it was it italy uh france in, okay there was some inf- i think there were multiple yeah that's what it looked like from what i saw um but yeah there was like an incendiary device that was installed into a theater in france and caused a lot of severe burn injuries for uh, people in the theater and it took three years of restoration to repair the building it riled people up so if they even showed it there was all this risk and all these protests a lot of theaters just refused to show it i read about one chain of theaters later apologizing to martin scorsese about that yeah general cinema which is who i used to work for yeah my first job was working uh at a general cinema theater and then they went out of business so good yeah, yeah. um even though they apologized later <laughs> So Mother Angelica was one of the more outspoken critics of the movie, and um, if you're not familiar with who she is, that's fine, because either were we, really. But apparently she was one of the first televangelists. Uh, She started the Internal Word television network out of her garage back in the early 80s. By the time that The Last Temptation of Christ came out, she was a pretty prominent figure in the, the more kind of evangelical circles in the media world. And so she said a lot of pretty nasty things about this, uh, one of them being the uh, the thing that we referred to earlier, saying that anybody who watched the movie was deliberately committing an act of blasphemy and was choosing between heaven and hell. So really not mincing her words there. Yeah, and she even referred to the film as a holocaust, which is pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yep, yeah. Um, yeah. So... But yeah, I think you were mentioning before how it was like quite an ordeal to even make the picture. Scorsese first got the, well, so he got the rights in the late 70s. So The Last Temptation of Christ, the film, is actually an adaptation of a book uh, by Nikos Kazantzakis um, that was released in 1955. And the book itself raised quite a ruckus and was banned by a lot of people and like the Catholic Church banned it. And so Sidney Lumet had acquired the rights from the widow of the author back in 1971, but was never able to get a screenplay put together. So eventually uh, Scorsese gets a copy of the book from Barbara Hershey in the 70s. So he managed to get the rights in the late 70s. And at first, he had a deal with Paramount to make it, and he had um, a cast put together, so there were a lot of rumors for who was originally going to play Jesus, so some of the names thrown around. So first off, Robert De Niro and Eric Roberts both turned down the role in 1983. Christopher Walken was then named to play Jesus, but was rejected by Paramount. 
And there was some gossip columns that said Sylvester Stallone was also in the running. Um, eventually, it was going to be Aiden Quinn playing Jesus. Uh, Prince's protege, Vanity, was going to be playing Mary Magdalene. And Sting was going to be in the part of Pontius Pilate. So the Paramount thing fell through um, because they were kind of worried about the controversy around it. There, there was like a massive letter writing campaign and... I think that's kind of where the accusations of Jesus being portrayed as homosexual mostly came from. Yeah, so it was sometime later that finally got picked up by Universal Studios, and it was filmed in 1987, released in 1988. So it took quite a lot of time and effort um, on Scorsese's part, and of course several, I'm sure, quite a few other people's parts to get this to happen yeah and thank god sting did not get that role like no oh that like i think just in general like everybody that was talked about before i think i can't imagine this movie being done with any of them and it being as good the the last thing that uh i thought was worthy of mentioning was that we, we talked about how in the movie the guardian angel that leads jesus astray is played by a young girl but in the novel the guardian angel was not depicted as a young young girl uh it was depicted as and this is how the new york times book review phrases it it was depicted as a furry big fellow who wraps the sleeping Jesus in his green wings. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I guess I can see with budget limitations that probably yeah. wasn't very feasible, and I think it works better to have uh, a young girl. It I would think have been... it'd be a more convincing fake out. Yeah, for, um, for sure. Yeah, if I was Satan, and I wanted to lead Jesus astray, I probably wouldn't choose a persona that's not super far off from how people think of me you, you wouldn't choose like a dr seuss character basically is what you're <laughs> right. saying because that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how like. it sounds for sure um i'm totally picturing like a really lurid green yeah like day glow yeah neon green yeah so so good call uh good call scorsese good, good call scorsese you, you make the best fucking films <laughs> yeah you make the best fucking films i've ever seen in my life <laughs> fucking love them <laughs> fucking love them take your eyeball and <laughs> chew on it and spit it back out at you just grab him by his hair and swing him all the way the fuck around because he makes the best anyway that's a song reference i may, I may tear listen to the king missile song about martin scorsese which you should all check out yeah if, you, if you're you not should familiar definitely check it's, it out. it's great yeah. um anyway so i think that kind of wraps it up i mean we did our research now you do yours yeah and I think that wraps it up for this episode yeah. as well. So uh, I think I should just mention that if you wanted to keep on top of our podcast release, you can always do that by joining our Facebook page, Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. Uh, you can also take a look at our website, which is com. You can subscribe through all your typical podcasting subscription services, iTunes, Google Play, things like that. And if you have any comments, uh, if you have any recommendations for things you think we should watch based off of the ratings we've given this movie or other movies, you can email those to us at Tara and Andrew versus at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much to Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boat. Uh, exciting news. Most of the members of Boat are in a band now called Unlikely Friends. I've got a new album coming out soon. It's very exciting. Indeed. I guess that wraps it up. Catch you later, potato hags. Catch you later, potato hags.